0: It is time for the roundtable and the midday discussion going on here. And, well, the roundtable discussion on Midway. I turned that I turned that around midday. It's Friday, Bob. I'm glad you're with me.
1: I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be anywhere these days.
0: Well, that's absolutely true, isn't it? <laughs> Scott Foster here along with Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield and uh, many characters that are ready. We have lots of characters in
1: the Rural Radio Network, don't we? We have a cast of a thousand. Cat? Yes.
0: <laughs> Susan agrees with that. How are you today, Susan? What's going on in your neck of the woods today?
2: I am doing well. Boy, the skies have gotten kind of dark to the. Uh Southwest. So it looks like we've got some rain headed our way, which will kind of lead into twelve nineteen as we'll get more updates from Al Dutcher and the weather as we head towards the weekend. The two Nebraskans getting highlighted at Corn Congress this year. We'll have more on that at twelve forty five. Lynn Crisp is first vice president. We'll be stepping into the presidential role of the National Corn Growers Association. That will come up in October. And then Deb Gangwish was elected to the Board of Directors for the National Corn Growers. So more with them at 1245. And, of course, it's Friday, which means it's Fridays in the Field. We'll head to the northeast part of the state and Chad Moyer.
0: All right. Very good. Up in my old neck of the woods. See how corn's doing up there. They've uh, had some storms, so that'll be curious. Thanks a lot, Susan. I appreciate it. Well, we joined, uh, We are joined uh, slightly late, but Brandon's here. We, we were, Not that we're counting.
3: No one would have known. This is the benefit of radio. I could have slidden in with my stealth ninja technology, and no one would have known, except I just got out of it. But I appreciate that.
0: That's okay. You know, Bob, Bob and I knew. I okay just, i just want to i appreciate that, that. so what's going on today in uh, sports
3: if this was baseball season it would be the equivalent of the hot stove league but this time for the nba lots of trades going on the san diego it's not the san diego you've got me thinking san diego the <laughs> san antonio spurs have picked up a big time uh forward There, tour de france is continuing british open is continuing and baseball will resume this evening with almost a full slate of games and we'll see if the royals can pull themselves out of the cellar and see what the padres can do here for the second half of the year.
0: Well, I don't have much hope for either one of those, but uh, you know that we even if we have the best second half in baseball history. There's, there's so always hope. The, there's so, Bob Rogan, what's going on with you today?
1: Oh boy, there's just a whole lot going on. Uh, Microsoft is leading gains for the tech stocks uh, earlier Uh, The stock market was kind of wavering a little bit, but now it seems to be uh, gaining a little bit because of tech stocks. Meanwhile, of course, there's almost nothing out there about uh, talk about trade, but uh, President Trump is tweeting about trade today. And Japan's prime minister is warning against auto tariffs. So that's a couple of things. Also, um, unfortunately, about 200 are expected to lose... The Omaha jobs with with an office closing. We'll have a little bit of information on that. Nebraska's jobless rate um, rose to 2.9 percent in June. Nebraska remains um, one of the uh, uh, one of the states with the uh, lowest uh, unemployment in the country, and even though it rose a little bit in June, uh, it still cooking, uh, cooking with gas there. So anyway, uh, those are s- the stories we're following.
0: All right. Thank you so much, guys. That's all coming up on Midday.
4: Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Well, are the hedge funds ready for higher wheat prices? Something I've noticed this morning was Paris milling wheat futures. We're going to talk about this with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics, Why are we concerned, or should we be, by Paris Milling Wheat Futures?
5: Well, we've got a tight crop uh, starting to really be known in France, and recall about a week or two ago, Dewey, Agritel, the private uh, trade uh, firm, had talked about a smaller wheat crop being down 10 to 15 percent in France. The French government said, no, it's not that bad, it's only a couple 3 percent. Well, now we're back to, it's probably going to be 10 or 15 percent less, so... Now, all of a sudden, we have a French wheat price in Rhone, France, on the river at about $230 a ton. This compares to our soft wheat price here in the United States at the Gulf at $215 a ton. When you have that kind of a discount in U.S. soft red wheat with good quality and less competition coming out of the Black Sea this year, I think the market's starting to put two and two together. So We've got northern hemisphere weather concerns in Canada, the United States. EU, FSU, and even China, we may be exporting wheat later down the road here.
4: So, will money managers continue to buy into this wheat market for the rest of the session?
5: Yeah, to get to the bottom line is, I think they will, as long as the dollar doesn't go screaming higher through its resistance of about ninety five, twenty five to ninety five fifty. Because then, all of a sudden, the hedge funds will start saying, "Okay, your wheat's getting expensive all of a sudden because the dollar's going up by itself."
4: Are Traders still, uh, cautious, I guess, when it comes to uh, the trade uh, rift with China.
5: I think they are. I think that the comments by uh, the economic advisor, Mr. Kudlow, and then the two different comments uh, from President Trump later this week, and one as early as uh, this morning with CNBC talking about pushing the tariff number up to five hundred billion, essentially the full import amount with China. How can you not be nervous about it? Now, the interesting dynamic here is the dollar is weaker, and I think this is a short-term issue. If we really are nervous about Chinese trade, I could see the dollar becoming a safe haven and actually being bought, Dewey. So this is an interesting dynamic as we get ready to meet with the EU, who have said that they will add another tariff on top of us if we don't have good talks this weekend with them. So I think, yeah, you've got to be nervous still.
4: Right. There's trade tensions. Does that do anything about the VIX, the trade, or should I say the fear?
5: No, and that's the probably the most disturbing issue is the, the equities markets and the VIX actually don't mind this. And so when you have an equities market going up and the VIX going down and the, the uh, dollar, other than today, going up, that's a deflationary mindset. And so they feel more secure sticking with U.S. assets, including equities, and I think, again, the dollar eventually.
4: It appears the psychology among livestock traders is negative before our reports that come out today.
5: I think that's a fair assessment, especially in light of the fact that we've rallied so strongly and we've had hogs underneath us supporting us now. We don't have that today. We finally got that pork and bean trade back where the hogs and the beans are taking this new China news the worst. I think the trade really ran itself up on the cash cattle trade early now they're reflective, and I think the longs are just getting nervous, as you say.
4: And will cash cattle trade wait till after the reports?
5: I think they will do because you've got such a wide change of a wide range, I should say, of placements and marketings. You know, ninety five and a half to almost one hundred uh, and seven, and ninety eight and a half to almost one hundred and seven on both those. You could have this market swing either way.
4: You can get a free two week trial subscription to Mike's newsletter by mentioning the Rural Radio Network when you go to Global Analytics. Biz, we've talked with Mike Zuzulo of Global Commodity Analytics on the Rural Radio Network.
0: Time for us to take a look at our ag weather, and I'm joined by Paul Perkins. And uh, been sort of an interestingly active uh, weather couple days here. Sporadic. Yeah, some pop-
2: yeah, exactly. Some pop-up showers and thunderstorms. Uh, we had a case of that last night. Just a couple of cells popping up in central Nebraska in the early evening. And we're seeing that right now in central and southeast Nebraska. And this mm-hmm. this, th- this line of thunderstorms, very scattered line of thunderstorms, started with just one little small cell towards stapleton earlier this morning about nine o'clock and right now we have a kind of a full blown line of some scattered thunderstorms they were thinking maybe some severe activity but it looks like it is starting to die down right now
0: it's really been interesting and of course we've talked a little bit about iowa how that that thing just popped up too so it's a it's been a strange time it feels like
2: yeah a lot of heat to deal with this time of year so i think that does give a lot of energy to these storms but yeah currently taking a look at radar we do have some showers and thunderstorms very scattered from about Ord on Impit to north central Nebraska towards about Cherry County. So Ord just to the south of Ainsworth into Cherry County. Otherwise, some showers and thunderstorms mainly to the south of I 80 from about Grand Allen and Hastings towards Sutton, Exeter, and also the Fairbury Beatrice area to north of Concordia. These showers and thunderstorms sliding southeast, but the overall line is moving off towards east. Where it's been raining, we have temperatures in the low and mid-70s. Otherwise, those temperatures mainly in the upper 70s to the low 80s. Our temperatures today through the weekend look to be seasonal as an upper ridge of high pressure keeps the bulk of the summer heat. Across Oklahoma and Texas, we're right on the edge of that ridge of high pressure. An isolated thunderstorm possible today and this evening, mainly across central and west central Nebraska and in north central Kansas. It's all getting fired up right near a weak front and. Uh, moving out towards the east but it's not very organized as far as any rain activity if you see any rain it's not going to last very long sunday night through next week though we are looking at some better chances of rain and thunderstorms several chances of those thunderstorms as we see some disturbances track southeast through the region as we sit on that northern edge of that ridge of high pressure at this point sunday and sunday night and tuesday look to be the better times for some thunderstorms forecast confidence though in the exact timing a little bit on uh, Low at this point, so the forecast probably will be adjusted as time goes on. The confidence is, though, high in seeing our temperatures cool off to slightly lower than normal. Chances remain good that temperatures will be cooler than normal for a fairly long period here in Nebraska and Kansas. Wednesday through the first two days of August, so July ending on a cool note. On average, our summer heat peaks this weekend and Monday in central Nebraska when we see about three days average with highs of 88 After that, that very gradual cool down of our average daytime temperatures begins. It's not to say it's not going to be hot over the next month, but it's gradually, on average, starts to cool off. Near normal to above normal rainfall is predicted for Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through August 2nd. The key weather factors for market trade include a cooling trend developing in the Midwest and record dryness in Australian wheat areas. Record hot temperatures were set in Texas yesterday and included highs as Warm as 112 in Wichita Falls and 108 in Dallas. Excessively hot weather will persist through the weekend on the southern plains and be followed by some cooler conditions next week. In the next week, most areas east of the Mississippi River will experience periods of heavy rain and thunderstorms. Dry weather will prevail the next five days from the southern plains into the southwest corn belt. Scattered rain will stretch from the desert southwest into the northern plains. Cooler weather in the Midwest will make for some less stress on crops over the next week. Rain will focus in eastern areas of the Midwest to bring a notable benefit to Michigan after a recent dry trend. Soils in Missouri, though, remain very dry with little to no rain in their forecast. The heat will back away from the next few days but still may affect extreme southwest Kansas and southeast Colorado where it's been dry and that could stick around for a few more days. Beneficial rain possible in key corn and soybean areas of Nebraska and northern Kansas, the middle to late part of next week. Eastern Australia remains in the grip of a historic drought. Rain amounts in the past 15 months have been either near record or record low. Wheat prospects continue to decline since very little precipitation is forecast all the way through October for them.
0: Wow, that's really something. Little, you would think we'd be getting a little bit of something out of that.
2: Uh, yeah, Jeez. but not, not looking good right now, so that's putting some upward pressure on wheat right now.
0: Okay, all right. Well, we'll keep a, we'll, we'll keep a watch on all the weather for all your local forecasts and current conditions. Where do you go, Paul?
2: KRBN.com. Thank you. Thank you.
4: Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network, we continue to see the double digit gains in the wheat futures despite trade tensions. Corn is a little bit higher, soybeans slightly lower. September corn 354 and three quarters up three and a half. December 368 and 3 quarters up three and three quarters. August soybeans, 845 and a half, down a half. September 851 down one. November 860 and three quarters down three quarters. Chicago, September wheat, 518, December 534 and a quarter. They're both up 13 and three quarters. Kansas City, September 510 and a half, up 14. December 536, up 14 and a half. Minneapolis, September 553, up 16 and a quarter. December 569 and a half, up 14 and three quarters. Ahead of today's cattle on feed and semi-annual cattle inventory reports, Cattle futures lower, lean hogs extending losses. August live cattle 108.55 down 35, October 110.15 down 55, December 114.15 down 27, February 117.90 down 45, August feeder cattle 153.32 down 112, September 154.10 down 67, October 154.30 down 62. November, 153.82, down 47. August lean hogs, 66.12, down 112. October, 51.20, down 102. December, 46.10, down 82. The Dow is up 29 at 25,094. NASDAQ, up 16 at 7,841. And the S&P 500 is up 2 at 2,807. In 1935, Fontenelle Hybrids began with a commitment to focus on the success of farmers
5: in the Western Corn Belt. Today, Fontenelle continues to be on the cutting edge, and we'd like you to grow with us. Becoming a Fontenelle dealer not only provides a chance to expand your business, but also allows you to become part of a great team. By offering comprehensive dealer development and training, guidance from our extensive network of employees, and access to industry-leading, innovative technology, you'll have a solid foundation to win. Find out more about becoming a Fontenelle dealer by calling 1-800-CR-YIELD. Think about this. There are five freedoms guaranteed in the First Amendment.
6: Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to peacefully assemble, freedom to petition the government. Which freedom can you live without? Fortunately, the First Amendment doesn't make you choose. It protects all five freedoms equally. Think first. Go to thinkfirstamendment.org to learn more. This message is sponsored and aired by Media of Nebraska and this station.
7: Dicamba finds itself in the spotlight once again. I'm Shaylee Peters with you on the Rural Radio Network. Let's take a midday look at your ag news for a Friday. Images of cupped soybean fields have come to symbolize the dicamba injury crisis underway in farm country in the U.S. But what happens when chemicals like dicamba move beyond the soybean fields of commercial farmers onto the property of rural homeowners, business owners, and organic and specialty crop farmers? In South Dakota, a vegetable farm that was destroyed by dicamba in a matter of weeks last year was hit again this June by another cocktail of herbicides, including dicamba. An elderly Illinois homeowner has watched her carefully landscaped yard with her for two years in a row from dicamba injury. A resort owner in Tennessee is fighting to save his gardens, plants, trees, and a nearby historic state park after the second consecutive year of a dicamba damage. Over the course of two months, DTN conducted dozens of interviews on non-soybean dicamba injury and found that injured property owners like these face an uphill battle to justice. State Departments of Forestry, Natural Resources, and Agriculture pass the responsibility for non-soybean dicamba injury back and forth between each other. State regulators are struggling to keep up with the pace of complaints, leading to long delays and unresolved investigations. And even state investigations that find a pesticide applicator at fault can only find the applicator not compensate the victim. Laboratories are still learning how to test for Dicamba residue effectively and at what levels. Unless an applicator was flagrantly off-label, insurance companies maintain that they are not responsible when Dicamba volatilizes and moves off target. The situation is likely to affect the future registration of the new Dicamba herbicides, which is under review by EPA. The agency is watching the situation closely. And here in Nebraska, a farmer has sued Dicamba manufacturers saying his neighbors use of the company products damaged his soybean crop last summer. Shane Greckle filed the federal lawsuit last week against Monsanto and other companies whose products contain the herbicide dicamba. Experts say problems have arisen with dicamba as farmers began to use it to kill weed in soybean and cotton fields where specially engineered seeds had been planted to resist the herbicide. Grekel says that's what happened on his fields near Bloomfield. And gene editing in agriculture takes center stage next Wednesday when Europe's highest court rules in a case that could determine the fate of technology that is already making waves in the field of medicine. The European Union has long restricted the use of genetically modified organisms widely adopted around the world, but there is legal uncertainty as to whether modern gene editing of crops should fall under the same strict GMO rules. The European Court of Justice will rule whether the use of genetic mutation or mutagenesis, which is now exempt from GMO rules, should differentiate between techniques that have been used for decades and the new gene editing technology. Gene editing with CRISPR, Cas9 tool, and other techniques has the potential to make heartier and more nutritious crops, as well as offering drug companies new ways to fight human disease. U.S. biotech firm Calix, for example, has gene-edited soybeans to produce healthier oil with no trans fats, and it is growing 17,000 acres of its new design across the U.S. Midwest this year. The case before the ECJ was brought by a group of French agricultural associates that want the existing EU exemption for plant varieties obtained via mutagenesis to be restricted to long-standing conventional techniques. And that's a look to your midday ag news for a Friday. For more ag news, audio, and video anytime, you can visit ruralradio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time again this week to visit with our Nebraska Extension agricultural climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, getting a decent shot of weather over the past week. A little steamy, but not too bad overall. What can we expect headed into this weekend and next week?
6: Well, it looks like the the biggest issue we're dealing with is the upper air low that's parked over South Central Wisconsin. It's slowly pivoting toward the east, and as it does, so Spokes Energy will rotate around that upper air low and primarily impact the uh, East Central and Eastern Corn Belt for Nebraska. Because that upper air low is moving so slowly toward the, the east, we're going to be in a northwest flow on the back side of it as the trough digs itself deeper into the great lakes and that's going to keep the cool air in place at least over the northeastern one half of nebraska as you get a little bit farther toward the southwest and this would include the southwest half of the state that trough will basically meet up with the moisture over the southwestern united states pumping up into the central rockies and give the ability to generate some thunderstorm activity and we're actually seeing some of that kind of influence this morning as we've seen a little line of thunderstorms develop from west central through portions of south central Nebraska is kind of following that flow around the backside of this upper air trough. So as we go through this weekend, the thing that we'll draw attention to is yet another piece of energy movement across the northern Rockies to reinforce this trough over the Great Lakes will generate some thunderstorm activity across the Dakotas particularly as we get into Sunday, and some of that may actually move its way into uh, western Nebraska with a more robust pattern developing across the northern third of the state as we go into the day Monday with much lesser chances of move toward the south and the east. Then we get a quick break before yet another system comes into the region. Uh, The models are getting a little bit more aggressive with the midweek pattern showing some thunderstorm development basically across the western two-thirds of the state as warm air once again tries to pump up into this region but is basically going to fall into a static position against this upper air trough over the great lakes so there will be these periods of precipitation particularly in the western half of the state must more uncertainty for the eastern half of the state unfortunately and as we go out a little bit farther there are signs from the model that we are going to undergo some type of pattern change in the upper atmosphere and it's leaning toward A ridging pattern developing in the eastern United States and a troughing pattern developing in the western United States. As it does that, of course, that's going to bring moisture up from the southwest into the central plains. It's also going to bring some of that heat from the southern plains up into the central plains. So we'll watch that to see if that institutes a drying pattern at the very first of the month and into the first 10 days or so of of, uh, August. But more importantly, at some point, that prop will probably pivot energy out into the western Corn Belt but will be dealing with an increasing precipitation tendency along with the heat and a more drier pattern established itself in the eastern Corn Belt. So we've got a lot to go yet in this growing season, a lot of interesting patterns to deal with, and it looks like in the future that we are probably going to switch over to a little bit warmer pattern. And even with this cool air that we've been seeing On occasion this month, moving into the Central Plains for Nebraska proper, we're still running one to two degrees above normal. So with this cool weather expected to be in place for the next week or so within our region, we're probably going to end up with the month very close to normal across the state that's a far cry from the six to eight degree departures we've seen during the months of may and june
7: nebraska extension agricultural climatologist al dutcher for more visit ruralradio.com you're listening to the rural radio network
0: time to check in on sports here's brandon
3: good afternoon scott Earlier today, the San Antonio Spurs announced they have signed veteran for Dante Cunningham, but did not disclose the terms. Cunningham, a six foot eight, two hundred and thirty pound bruiser, spent last season with New Orleans and Brooklyn while averaging five point seven points, four point one rebounds in seventy-three total games. The nine-year veteran holds career averages of six point one points, almost four rebounds. His longest tenure was with New Orleans, where he played in two hundred and sixty-three games. A spectator threw a smoke bomb into the Tour de France peloton as it passed by earlier today. Nobody came to any harm, unlike yesterday when a fan's camera strap appeared to snag Vincenzo Nabali's handlebars, he slammed to the ground and broke a vertebra. Nabali's accident occurred in a cloud of yellow smoke set off by spectators, with two police motorbikes, not more than a couple bike links, in front of the stage leaders. The incidents have increasingly made teams worry about fans getting too close or out of hand in the most famous climbs of the Tour. Back in 2016, Chris Froome had to run when his bike became mangled in a crash that involved two other riders and a police motorbike. Shubhankar Sharma of India turns 22 tomorrow and he's already had the best present ever, a tea time at the British Open. Sharma, a two-time winner on the European Tour this year, appeared to be headed home when he was five over par for the Open with just six holes to play, including the difficult four-hole finish. However, he birdied three of the last six holes, including the 18th, and wanting to be sure he at least made par on the 18th, he fired his approach shot to within six feet to make birdie. Sharma became the youngest Indian player to ever make the cut in a major. Zach Johnson is a leader in the clubhouse on a rainy day where players are posting low scores for the Open. Johnson, the 2015 British Open champion, birdied the tough 18th hole to shoot a 67 and move a stroke ahead of three players, including first-round leader Kevin Kisner and England's Tommy Fleetwood. A steady rain fell for most of this morning, allowing players to be more aggressive off the tee and into the greens. A day earlier, the course had played hard and fast because it's had little rain over the course of the summer. Rory McIlroy is two strokes back after shooting his second straight 69. And hours after the Associated Press reported that the Miami Dolphins players who protested on the field during the National Anthem could be suspended for up to four games under a team policy issued this week, The league and the players' union issued a joint statement late yesterday night saying the two sides are talking things out. The NFL rule that was passed in May forbids players from sitting or taking a knee if they are on the field or sidelines during the Star-Spangled Banner, but it allows them to stay in the locker room if they wish. Miami's nine-page discipline document included a one-sentence section on proper anthem conduct and classifies anthem protests under a large list of conduct detrimental to the club all of which could lead to a paid or unpaid suspension, a fine, or both. That's a check of sports. More of Midday is straight ahead. You're listening to The Rule Radio Network.
8: Clear skies tonight with a chance of thunderstorms in southern Nebraska. Lows tonight in the lower 60s. I'm Dave Schroeder. Investigators with the Coast Guard and National Transportation Safety Board are investigating a duck boat accident that killed 17 people in southern Missouri. Coast Guard Petty Officer Laura Ratliff says the agencies are working side by side to determine what caused the Ride the Ducks boat to sink Thursday night in Table Rock Lake in the Branson area. Authorities are releasing few details, including whether the people aboard were wearing life jackets. The NTSB and Stone County Sheriff Doug Grader are urging anyone with video or photos of what happened to provide them to authorities. At least five tornadoes touched down as an unexpected swarm of destructive storms hit central Iowa. National Weather Service meteorologist Jeff Johnson said it will take days to determine the strength and the total number of the twisters that hit three towns yesterday afternoon. The storms injured at least 17 people, flattened buildings and forced the evacuation of a hospital. Johnson said survey teams are examining damage in Marshalltown and other locations where the tornadoes hit to determine the tornado's strength. Nebraska's largest electric utility will participate in a federal study to develop safe methods to collect and store carbon produced by coal-fired plants and ethanol plants. Nebraska Public Power District will work on a two-year U.S. Department of Energy study testing the viability of creating regional storage hubs for captured carbon. Carbon refers to the process of pulling carbon dioxide from the smokestacks and emissions of factories and other industrial sites. Federal officials are interested in the carbon to extend the use of fossil fuels while keeping damaging byproducts from entering the atmosphere and contributing to climate change. Weak economic growth is expected to continue in rural parts of 10 Plains and Midwest states, but all recent trade disputes may shrink profits. Creighton University economist Ernie Goss says the new tariffs are hurting grain prices, which are already weak. Democrats hoping to use health care as an issue in the midterm elections will have to decide how they'll do it. One strain that's popular with liberals pushing for government-financed health care is causing a tactical divide. All Democrats oppose President Donald Trump's repeated efforts to scuttle the Affordable Care Act. Many also back expanding government paid health care, but some think drawing attention to Democratic efforts to reinvent how Americans receive medical care is a mistake. Great ag and news coverage at your fingertips. Click podcasts and videos right under listen live at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder.